Good morning, church. Lovely church family. Well, I'm going to start by saying I stand before you as, as a slightly broken man. Because, well, let me tell you why. Because we were going up to the cricket not so long ago, and Pete, <laughs> Pete Gray, my lovely brother and friend, was sitting next to me, and we were driving up uh, to go and see uh, one of the sort of one day um, 2020, yeah, and Christmas there as well. And as we were driving, Pete and I were, were chatting away, as you do. And I said, Pete, I've got, you know, quite a big birthday coming up. And uh, he said, oh, yeah. And, and I said, oh, yeah, it's, my, it's my, actually my 50th, you know, coming, coming up. This was in July. My birthday's in, in, uh, in August. And, he's, and we were chatting about this. And Pete was saying, oh, yeah, big birthdays. And we were talking on and all the rest of it. And it went quiet for a minute. And there was a voice from the back of the car. My son, who had been playing on his whatever you play on when you're that young, <laughs> said... Hang on a minute, Pete's younger than you. <laughs> Broken man. Pete, so, so I take the, the knife from my heart. <laughs> bless you, mate, bless you. Um, it's the grey in the beard. So this morning we're going to uh, look at Colossians, and it's chapter 1, verse 15 to 23. Um, this is a really meaty bit of scripture, and there's tons in here for us to to take away and to, for, for God to work on us through. And I'm going to split this into three parts. We're going to look at God, the ultimate creator. We're going to look at God in Christ Jesus. And then we're going to look at, so what does this mean for you, for me, for all of us here? Yeah? So I'm going to try and make it split into, into three equal bits. Okay. So just to sort of recap, this whole Colossians thing, I found this word I thought was relatively helpful. So Rome, oh, I can use the pointy thing. Hang on. Yes. Rome, so it's not that marvellous a map because it's got these great big pieces of text <laughs> over the bits of map. But anyway. That's the little boot of Italy. So Paul's up here and he's writing to the church over here in, Coloss in, in Colossae. And that's what we term Turkey now. And it's, it's close-ish to Ephesus that's on the coast, the port of Ephesus. And the, the Colossians were, it was starting to become a smaller one of the, of the uh, three inland towns that were there. There were another two sort of fairly big towns and, and Colossae was starting to sort of drift into the background and the other two bigger towns were taking over as, as sort of uh, market traders and, and a lot of trade was coming through there so they were growing so this is a, a small town as it were and as Aid said last week it's similar to, to Totnes in some respects except it's not in Turkey obviously <laughs> there you go I don't know whether we can see that all that well with the lights but this is what's left of um, of Colossae. It's brilliant, isn't it? Give you an idea of the size of it. So Paul is pulling the church back into line because they were starting to go off the rails a little bit. Chris came up with a lovely one this morning. Um, 
And he said to me, well, Colossians, isn't that like stop all your mumbo, what was it, stop all your mumbo jumbo and just get on with being on the right road along those lines. And actually, you know, it's not, not, not a bad point. They were starting to go off the rails a little bit. They were not sticking to what they had been taught to do, what the first teachings told us. It's a little bit like trying to change the rules of a game to suit you. Yeah, we've done that with Monopoly when we were sort of 10-ish and you sort of say, no, 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 you, no I'm sure when you roll a, a, a 10, you're allowed to have another go. And you say, mm, okay. In modern day terms, I think Paul could have in his best Ray Winston voice said, Oi, you nutties, get back on track. Have you forgotten? That's what he could have said. There was a prompt from God that I really wanted to share this morning. Um, And you could argue that it's not directly from this bit of scripture, but I really feel that it's something we need to listen to. And I feel that uh, God wants to speak to specific people. And he's saying this. There's a... With some of us, there's a, a quest, a spiritual quest for something else. And we're drifting we're coming away from the truth. So if that's you, you know, you need to listen um, to this, or it would be good to listen. This is, it, this is God in all its simplicity when we listen to this bit of scripture. So there's a well-known joke um, where there's a scientist that is meeting with God. And he said, and forgive me if you've heard this before, just run with it. So there's God and the scientist, and the scientist said, I've worked it all out. I can create what you've created. And God says, really? Okay, well, let's, let's see. So they, they do this, almost this sort of challenge. And the scientist says, yeah, I've got all my stuff ready. I've got all these test tubes, and I've got these things. I can heat this up, and I can do this, that, and the other. Okay. And he says, I'm just going to bend down and get this bit of dust from here. He says, no, 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 no. God says, no. You need to make your own dust. Yeah? You can't do it without that. So, let's read the scripture. I'm reading from the NLT, and it's entitled, Christ is Supreme. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So, he is the first in everything. For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. 
and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world and I, Paul, have been anointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that as we move through this scripture, you would, through your Holy Spirit, you would wake us up, Lord. You would wake us up to the the truth of who you are. You would wake us up, Lord. Show us what you want us to see. Bring us back on track. Help us not to drift. Help us to stand assured. (coughs) Father, I thank you for all that you're doing for, for all of us. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay. Oh no, wrong one. Can I go back? Yes. So, part one. God, the ultimate creator. So this part of the preach um, relates to verses 15 to 17, and this is where Paul is explaining to the church in Colossae, in fact reminding them of who Christ is, his origin, and his position. See, the false teachers in Colossae were really confused about creation and about actually who Jesus and God were. They were teaching that Jesus didn't actually have a real body. They were starting to teach that he was almost like an angel figure, that, you know, this just changed the whole thing. So this was leading believers to start to bend away from the truth. It was diluting the greatness of Jesus, the enormity of Jesus and his supremacy. So the original title of this, um, when it came out on the preaching series, was The Preeminence of God. And I have to confess, (laughs) I had to go away and look it up, because it's kind of... (laughs) uh, Well, obviously look the scripture up, but the word preeminence, so... It's like, oof, that was a bit too much for me. So I got my, um, my shortened version of the Oxford English Dictionary out. Still got an actual paper copy. Don't look it up online. So that was good. Um, and it kind of, I, I wanted to change it. Once I'd read that, I wanted to change it to the, the true supremacy of God, the ultimate creator. Preeminence, as I said, it's not a word we hear very much, but it certainly is a word that describes God as superior as the very pinnacle of everything. He is the commander-in-chief. So Christ, Jesus, is the very beginning. Jesus, the man, is not firstborn as in terms of time, but he's firstborn in terms of status. 
Jesus, as the image of an invisible God, is himself the creator of all things. So maybe this is my naivety and I'll share it with you. But just stop to realise, and it's something we say all the time, but Jesus is God. Okay, it's almost that you have to stop and think it again. I do. I'm happy to to share that. Because sometimes we can separate things off, and I'm not sure that's what we're supposed to do. So Jesus is God. It's pivotal. It's all too easy to forget the position that Jesus takes in creation, of realising the supremacy of God, of Jesus. This position that gave Jesus the ability to say this. So this is John 14. Uh, and I'll read it from verse 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's, he's speaking to Thomas here. So Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would have known whom my Father is. From now on, you do know, and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Okay, now check this one out. So this summer, uh, we went to a festival, we went to Creation Fest, and I saw a guy preach called uh, Carl Beach, and um, he he was absolutely brilliant. He does quite a lot with uh, Christian Vision for Men. Um, And he showed a slide, it wasn't to do with this, but he showed a slide that really impacted me. And it's this. Uh, So this is, so this is all going to get a tiny bit science-y. But this is a, a picture um, taken by the Hubble telescope, okay, and I, you know, it's, I, it's not like a simple sort of one, one that you might get from Amazon. So, um, but this really did impact me. Now, my education path has, by the grace of God, taken me through a joint honours degree at King's College, London University, reading physiology and pharmacology, a medical tripos at Cambridge University, and a degree in medicine, uh, veterinary medicine from Cambridge University. I've got my 100 metres backstroke and, a <laughs> and cycling proficiency. <laughs> now, I'm not telling you things to big myself up, not at all. Um, it's simply an attempt to try and give myself a bit of credibility in front of you of being of a scientific bend, if you like. Now, I've been taught through various points of my education about how science has answers to pretty much everything. I've learned all about the Big Bang Theory, and yet now, having had my eyes opened to an awesome creator, God, I know that something ain't right with what I could talk, okay? I now feel so much more comfortable with trying to explain to myself how creation could have happened by chance. For me, the answer is a simple one. It's Jesus. It's God. For me, there's no better explanation because ultimately he 
has created everything out of nothing. Now this picture, this is bonkers, right? This, I had a proper headache trying to understand this, and I haven't fully, and I'm sure there are people here that would be able to explain this a lot better. But anyway, this, so check this out. These are, the, these are actually called the pillars of creation. So the astronomers called this the pillars of creation. And it's almost worth looking it up online because you get a much better picture when you haven't got the, the light on it. And that term, the pillars of creation, are actually, that, that term was first coined by Spurgeon. And he used it to, uh, to uh, link it to the, the birth of Jesus. So it's interesting that this has come from astronomers and they've called this the pillars of creation. So these are 6,500 light years away. And light years apparently are a measure of distance. I'm looking at Tristan here because as our, as our science correspondent, <laughs> he's, he's the one that will tell us. So anyway, so that's 40 trillion kilometers away. So you can see this in the sky. You can see it out just about. You can see it in particular constellation. And it's, it's something out there that's a, probably just a bit of a blur in the sky for us. But when you get up close with the old Hubble, that is what it is. Crazy. Make it even more crazy. <coughs> if you were to think of my red dot, if I could almost keep my hands still. I'm a little bit all over the show there, but... So these produce stars and constellations. And our solar system would be about the size of where my dot is. That's just ridiculous, isn't it? Is it just me? That's just crazy. So it, you, can't, you almost can't comprehend the size of all of this that's, that's out there. It's, I, kind of, I still don't quite grasp it. And then to bring it back to the very reality that the loving and all-powerful Father God that we know and have a personal relationship with is the creator of this. Now, we can't, I can't really see that too well, actually, because of the lights. But anybody know what they were? Who said pollen? Yes, come on. This is a scanning electron microscope picture of grains of pollen. So we've just gone from this to something you can hardly see. That's an awesome creator, isn't it? Isn't that just crazy? So each one of these represents pollen from a particular, um, from a particular plant. And just the diversity in there is, is enough to... Well, it blew my mind anyway. I got a bit carried away with this, so I put another one on as well. <laughs> I, got, I lost myself for about half an hour on grains of pollen <laughs> but on, on the internet, but there you go. Um, don't tell them at work. Okay, so this started, this started um, me thinking about the human body and all of its complexities. Because of my sort of medical-ish background, it started thinking, I started thinking of all these things, the complexities of anatomy, the structure of the eye, the structure of the liver, the functioning structure of the heart, the beauty of the tree-like lungs that we have. You know, it's just bonkers. And then you start to think, or I started to think, 
about memory. What's that all about? It's just like, how does that, you know, I know it's stored in the hippocampus, in the brain, it's, it's you know, synapses, neurons firing and all the rest of it. How does that work though? That's not enough for me. That's not enough to say it's neurons and it's this structure of the brain. It's, it doesn't work. You see, Jesus, God, designed memory. When you start thinking about it, when you remember, when Jesus was eating with his disciples at the Last Supper, breaking bread and drinking wine, he said, do this in remembrance of me. It'd be pretty difficult to do if you didn't have a memory. (laughs) I believe there is so much not understood or able to be understood through confirmed evidence that there has to be a more divine answer. It's of God. What I believe is a comfort and gives us a reference point is the statement in verse 16 and 17. Everything, not most of it, some of it, you know, 99.9, everything was created through him and for him. He, Christ, Jesus, God, existed before anything else and he holds all of creation together. So we're going to move into part two. This is called God in Christ. So verse 18 tells us this. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who will rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. Paul is quite clear here that no man is head of any church. It is God. It is Jesus who is the head. He is the king. The church of Jesus Christ is for all true believers. And all these people cry, glory. That was great, Phil, thank you. It was great to be able to sing that out to our God while we're worshipping. All these people cried, glory. Did you know this? When you believe in Jesus, when you put your faith in him, you're immediately washed and baptised in the Holy Spirit. And you become a member of the body of believers. The church body is made up of all those true believers, and that was born at Pentecost. It was at that point that the Holy Spirit came and baptised the believers into one spiritual body. This church... Here, TUFC. This church is part of the universal church of God, with Jesus at the top. This is key in understanding the word preeminence. That is talking of this unique position that Jesus takes within creation. So, some years ago, before before I fully committed to giving my life to Jesus. Um, we, uh, Liz and I, uh, my wife, um, we used to attend a, a local church in our village. I used to really like going along because it was hymns and I loved singing, um, belting it out, but I didn't really get it. I didn't really realise why I was there. And very nice, we were invited to do an Emmaus course. So we went along and it had all these sort of um, 
I almost said village people, but you know what I mean. Had, not, not literally dressed as the Red Indian and the uh, policeman. And anyway, so we were sit, we were we were at, at Ditford Church doing an Emmaus course, and uh, the the vicar there said, "So what I'd like you to do." And this was, I, I don't know what session, it was probably one of the first sessions we did. She said, I'd like you, I'm going to give out some paper, we had some pens. And she said, I'd like you to draw God. And I thought, yes, get in, I can do this. So I had a bit of paper, nice fluffy cloud, started with that bit. And I had the, you know, the fellow with the bit of hair, big beard and nice kind eyes. And I had that sat on the top of it. And then I thought, I know what could put this off. I'll do some hands, shaking each other's hands. And I thought, yeah, that's really nice, like shaking hands, it's peace, you know, because we used to do the peace at this church. I was like, yes, I reckon I've got this one. So we spent, it gave us quite a long time to do it. I was doing all my bits and getting a, a, you know, a fair bit of artwork in. And then I looked across, and I had a fella sitting next to me who, bless him, Dennis and Rowena. Dennis was sat next to me, and he, um, he won't mind me saying. So he was sat here, and I'd spent time doing this. And Dennis, I've tried to recreate this. Dennis had done something similar to this. He just got the sheet of paper, and he drew all these lines coming out from the middle. And it was all different colours and everything. And I sat there, and I was thinking, Mate, what are you doing? <laughs> sort yourself out. This is, you can't, you can't just mess about. This is serious. We don't want doodles. And I just, it, it, what's gone? Well, I think my, my sort of depiction of it didn't do Dennis's justice. And I tell you what, it's only since I've looked at this bit of scripture that this now, not this one, but Dennis's one, has become almost like a, a, you know, a Rembrandt for me, or whatever, you know, a Da Vinci or whatever you'd say. But it has become, I suddenly got it. I suddenly thought, and then we had to explain our pictures. So I turned mine around, big smiley face, hey, what I've done? God, and you know, it's all lovely. And I, oh, yes, that's not, but you know, I, I sort of realise now that maybe they were thinking, no, mate, you haven't got it. And Dennis held his up, and they said, would you like to explain it? And he said, yeah. And this, this bloke is classic, because he's, he's a cravat wearer, and he had a, quite a big diastema or a gap in his front teeth, a bit like Terry Thomas. Do you remember him in those old films? And he just went, he's everywhere. And I was thinking, wait, you are off it. <laughs> he wasn't. He was totally on it. He, he knew, he knew that that's God. God is absolutely everywhere. So I'd like to look at the word reconciliation used in verse 20. And we see another killer point from Paul. For God in all his faithfulness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. So I thought reconciled, that's quite a big word as well. I know, I know what it means, really, but I wanted to just have a quick look, seeing as I had the dictionary right next to me, I thought, oh, I'll look it up and see. And it says this, it says, to restore to friendly relations with oneself or another after an estrangement, to bring back into peace and favour. 
So, how did God achieve this reconciliation? He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross, the blood of the Lamb. We're not reconciled to God by Jesus' ministry. We can certainly learn through Jesus what God the Creator planned for us, how he wanted us to live in direct relationship with him. We learn what an amazing power he had through his miracles. But actually, it's only through his death on the cross the sacrifice of God's only son, that we are given an opportunity to live a life without the shackles of sin. So what does this mean for you? So this is the point. If anybody's fallen asleep next to you, you this is where you can legitimately give them a nudge. Because actually this could be the important bit. Oh, that's it. <laughs> no, no, leave it. <laughs> Leave him, leave him, leave him. So can you appreciate... Let me, let me read... Um, let me read this. This includes you, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Can you appreciate it? Can you see? Where are you with respect to your relationship with God, the creator? Why don't we try and say these things together? It might be quite good. So, God, God made peace with me through the blood of Christ. Through the death of Jesus on the cross, God has reconciled himself to me. I have been brought into his presence. I am holy and blameless as I stand before him. I stand without a single fault. feels good to say that. You know, when I wrote it, that last one, I, I thought, do I? Do I? Does Matt stand before him without a single fault? Bring it back in. Yes, I do. Because of Jesus. Bring it back. We don't let fear and doubt get in. Okay, verse 23 starts, but, and it's a big but. <laughs> you must be, continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. 
Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. Do you remember? Do you remember that assurance? I looked that one up as well. I got absolutely dictionary crazy. <laughs> A formal guarantee or pledge of peace, encouraging confirmation. Do you remember that? So here we go. We're going to come into land. That's your cue, Phil. So the band are going to come and set up for us. Because just before we go into a time of worship again, to worship this God, this creator, this guy that goes from the, or this, this being that goes from the massive to the tiny and everything in between that's just sometimes too much. You might be the one that has heard the good news, but is maybe drifting. So I've got two words. Well, don't. It's as simple as that. Don't drift. And here's the deal. If you've not heard the good news, you see this amazing God of all creation so wanted to have a friendship, a relationship with you that he came down to earth to take on flesh in the form of Jesus. And in accepting the cruel, cruel pain of death on the cross, he died. And in the act of his death, he took your sin with him. But this is the good news. He didn't stay in the grave. He beat death and rose again so that you, us all of us, could be reconciled. And we could live in the light to enjoy all that he wants for you and what he has in store for you. Shall we stand and worship the Lord?